0: today. We can become great at doing the, the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Friday there, folks! Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us, yes, on another fun-filled episode. I am, in fact, your humble host, and today we are joined once again, it's been a while, with the one and only Shoshana Weissman. Now, we are going to be digging into, yes, all things occupational licensing, but through the lens of what happened here over the past almost two years at this point, COVID-19. What has been the impact of COVID-19 on your average person who is facing all of these different hurdles? Shoshana digs into all that and more on today's episode. So with that being said, on to the show, Shoshana Weissman here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Shoshana, it's been quite a while since I think you were last on the show. I was going back into the archives. You ready for this? We're on episode like 374, I think. You were originally, you ready? episode 45.
1: Wow. We've come
0: a long way, Shoshana. Um, So first and foremost, thank you for being one of the OGs here on The <laughs> Brian Nichols Show. Uh, and thank you for, for making it through as we get to uh, now going towards episode 400. My goodness. Um, but let's start off because obviously there's been a lot that has transpired, not only in terms of what's going on in the world, uh, but here on the program, we're reaching hundreds of new people every single episode than we did back before Uh, we had our conversation with you back in, I think, 2018 it was. So Shoshana, let's go ahead, dig into, number one, what's been going on in the world of Shoshana Weissman, but number two, what do you find is your role as we pertain ourselves to here, the greater liberty world, and uh, specifically your work at R Street Institute?
1: So it's so funny. Um, I didn't realize it had been that long either. So many things feel like it was just yesterday. Um, but yeah, during the pandemic at the very beginning, I thought I was going to have nothing to do. I'm like, well, no, one needs licensing reform as it relates to the pandemic. And then nurses and doctors weren't allowed to work across state lines. And um other people like had to move or telehealth was a big thing. You know, maybe you uh, you worked in one place, but you spent time with your family during COVID. So you could all be together and you couldn't see your same doctors, especially mental health professionals. And um, my work just got crazy. I really wasn't expecting it, but basically explaining to people like, hey, uh, these waivers are really good. They work. Um, it hasn't caused any more harm. And they work in in better times as well. And we need to make sure that we're not so horribly unprepared for any pandemic in the future that um we you know, that we can't do this again. and um and like making sure that we have that flexibility because during um the pandemic, you know there are hot spots all over the country towards the beginning. But um, having the flexibility to say Kansas is fine, you know, Kansas isn't really facing anything. Um, healthcare professionals from there can go to, let's say, Oregon and focus on that without any problems. Like that's something that's really important. In addition to just like when when times are hard, just getting rid of barriers is really important. Um, so more people have been understanding that more people have understood the value of regulatory reform in the healthcare space which isn't something i ever expected to see but i'm really really excited about it because it's important we want to make sure nurses aren't stopped by doctors from doing from you know engaging in their expertise or that pharmacists aren't stopped from nurses and doctors from engaging in their expertise and everyone can access more healthcare because Um, you know, we pay for a system, the system has a lot of problems. But at the very least, we shouldn't stop people who have the skills from being able to contribute to their positions.
0: Well, and I think right now, that is the big thing that's on everyone's top of mind is how are we seeing right now, hundreds of hospitals just laying off or just outright firing nurses, doctors in mass? And is it because they do have really control on the ability to decide who is and is not going to be allowed to practice medicine just by the sheer nature that they control the area that can take place?
1: So it's interesting. On that side, it's a little bit less regulatory. I mean, there there's, there's real problems with competition. But, like, if more places were able to open up, certificate of need is a really big problem. You'd probably be seeing less of that if there's more competition for staff. Um, and that more, more facilities were able to open up and certificate of need laws often make it. So if you want to open a new healthcare thing, you have to get approval from existing healthcare things to make sure that you can do it, whether it's an MRI clinic or something like that. It applies to non-healthcare stuff too, but it's a big thing here, but, um, it's just not smart to lay off all those people who have those skills and who have that expertise. Um, And to have their skills go to waste, it's really, really dangerous. And like we need, you know, we're always in a healthcare shortage. But during the pandemic, it got so much worse. And it floors me that they wouldn't realize that very real concern um, laying off new staff, you know, laying out staff now.
0: Yeah, well, you you talked about the certificate of need laws. And let's, you know, bring this to uh, something that everybody gets to enjoy. Telecommunications, right? That's my day job. Um, But think specifically your cable provider. If I'm in the Northeast, it could be Comcast. It could be, which was formerly Time uh, Time Warner, now Spectrum. Uh, you have Verizon, Fios. Just imagine if any time a new provider wanted to just exist in an area that they had to get the approval of Comcast, Verizon, and Spectrum. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense from a healthcare perspective either. And I, I'm seeing right now a lot of people, Shoshana, they're looking at the system and they're saying, number one, what? This is yeah. a thing? And number two, How do we fix it? So Shoshana, I know that's a lot, right? Here, magic wand, fix the healthcare system. But let's say you had to give people, you know, a couple of actionable steps that they can start to take. What would that look like?
1: So, um, I don't do anything in health insurance. So, uh, health insurance is totally out of my area, but with, uh, with just healthcare regulations, I mean, and all certificate of need laws there, it's related to con laws a lot. And it's, it is a con it's crap. It's uh whether it's moving companies or MRI clinics, you know, companies shouldn't have to get approval from one another. There's bigger issues in systems. We can talk through that, but like Um, In the 70s, I think it was, we decided, oh, let's do con laws, and it's been a disaster ever since it for every state that implemented it, so we should stop doing that. Um, Furthermore, just expanding scope of practice as much as possible for nurses, pharmacists, let all of them, you know, give vaccines, um, let pharmacists prescribe more stuff over the counter if it's safe for them to, whether it's birth control or whether it's uh, tobacco cessation products just make sure that they can provide as much healthcare as they can because during the worst of times, it takes extreme strain off of regular providers. And during the best of times, it's just easier access for normal people. Stop letting doctors control nurses. It's a really bad model. Um, you know, doctors in too many cases prevent nurses from giving some primary care um, service, which they're able to do, which they're trained to do, and in many states they do do, and it uh, lowers costs, improves health outcomes. So it works. So do a lot more of that. And there's just so many little and big regulations to get rid of. Whether it's you know. Um, that we can't work across state lines. This is kind of like a weird thing where we actually need to add regulations in in effect to get rid of them. You know, say, hey, no matter what state you work in, you can come here and work, you can transfer your license really easily. Um, Let's have foreign doctors work here. um, If they're already here and in so many cases they are and they can't practice what they know, let them transfer into the system at the very least, or if their credentials are the same, why not let that transfer? We don't have any real mechanism for that outside of a a very small handful of countries. But if people have training, we shouldn't make them go through 10, 12 years again, just to do the thing they were already doing. And in too many cases, it's not worth it. So we need to stop the brain drain. all of this is just very simple stuff that helps everyone. There's no danger because it's either like expanding our regulatory system or having ways for stuff to transfer into it. There's no reason that it shouldn't work that way. Um, and if we got rid of all these problems, you know, during pandemics or during, you know, various natural disasters, people could go from one place to another and work there without having to worry about government coming after them. And of course, get rid of licenses that aren't needed, but I'm fine with doctor and nurse licenses. Though I do think there's ways to shorten the process a little bit because it takes quite a long time to, be, to become a doctor. And there's a lot of other barriers in becoming a doctor that, uh, that, that we could definitely get rid of.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you go back to talking about the licenses. I just read, I read, okay, I didn't read. I saw a meme, um, but the meme was uh, referring to this one pilot who just got fired, not with regards to what's going on with the COVID stuff, um, but he got caught not having a pilot's license and he'd been flying for 30 years. And somebody had responded to like that original post. And they said, you think at that point, they just let him keep flying. Yeah. Right. And and that's the, that's the the common sense. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Answer. And yet, based on the way that the regulations are in the licensure uh, licensure laws, it it actually doesn't make sense. And we're seeing this right now really rear its ugly head, Shoshana, in terms of other jobs that are out there with occupational licensing and all of a sudden being hit with this completely out of left field thing called the COVID-19 pandemic. So I would love to hear kind of what have been the stories you've been hearing in regards to the impact on those people outside of your traditional healthcare um, situation, where obviously occupational licensing plays a huge role, but let's think about some of the the lesser talked about occupational licenses jobs out there, and what was their direct impact in regards to COVID?
1: So it's interesting because during um, ooh, this is kind of an aside, but during um, uh, you know national or state emergencies where um, it's like one area hit by like a natural disaster think of stuff like that um a lot of times they'll temporarily waive contractors or other related professionals whether it's plumbers or something like that to be able to come in and do work without having to have problems we, we definitely need more of those on the books but on the books not as executive orders there's a lot of licensing reform that was temporary and great and some of it became permanent but so many of the legislators were like okay we're gonna go do other stuff now and i'm like mm, you might want to like make this permanent so there's regulatory certainty. Because if a nurse doesn't know that they can, you know, comfortably work in another place and not have to deal with crushing liability for trying to help people out, that's a really big deal. Um, and then even with cosmetologists, it was really interesting because um, you know, during the early pandemic especially, a lot of salons were shut down. And I actually didn't oppose it, knowing what I knew at the time. Now I'm looking back, I'm not so sure, but um the concern of disease spreading there was not new to me because cosmetologists often argue that if someone isn't licensed, they'll spread disease, you know, whether it's hair braiders or stuff like that. And um, the fact is that licensed salons are the ones spreading diseases. The rates are out of this world. It's... um just really, really high rates of infection spread. So I'm like, you know, they didn't clean up their act. We don't have a regulatory system that actually protects people in salons. Instead, we add on lots and lots of burdens. It makes us feel like we're protecting people, but it's not. So I'm fine with maybe switching out some licensing for health inspections, you know, make sure stuff is clean and that um, that everything's being treated right. Because, you know, most infections will go away and it's fine. But still, you don't want to have places like that, And again, even during the worst of times when we have this overly burdensome system, it didn't even benefit the cosmetologists because they had to be shut down too. Um, At the same time, there were officials who would still go to salons during, uh, while everything was shut down. And that was obviously ridiculous. There's plenty of that. Um, But the way it all works is very strange. Um, So too many of our regulations don't protect, they just make us feel like they're, you know, they're protecting. And I don't mind regulations that actually protect people. But like, When they don't, it's okay, like, let's switch it out for something that does the thing you want it to do, or let's get rid of it all if it's not working, because that doesn't make any sense. Um, But it was very strange to see how many professions just had all these different kinds of waivers. Most of them were at least a little healthcare related, but but now some of it's gone into mental health and like... um, their telehealth in Arizona and Florida have like really, really expanded over the past couple of years. Um, And I think states in general have just understood that these crushing burdens don't serve us well when our country is struggling. And our country will struggle at various times for things in and out of our control. Um, But uh, when you have all these barriers in the way that make it just impossible for people to get back on their feet, that's why I've started to see even cosmetologists, which are kind of known to not like any form of deregulation, to support some of it, which has just been awesome. I love seeing it, but it's uh, it it's it's shocking to me, you know, as someone who's um worked on this issue for so long. But th- there's still a lot that hasn't been touched. There's um, you know, a, a lot of the legacy licenses. The Louisiana Florence license is still there. It drives me nuts. Um, there's all kinds of unnecessary licenses all over. But there is some more interest in understanding, in um, in making it better before that, and there was some understanding starting in the past couple of years before the pandemic that like, look, um, licensing reform can be really important for everyone across the aisle, everyone from Trump to Obama to Tom Cotton to, uh, you know, Gene Shaheen all kind of understood that. But um, really during the pandemic, I think people started to really internalize the real effects it can have, um, the lack of good it does, and maybe we should rethink how we're doing. this. So it's been encouraging, but I wish it didn't have to come about this
0: way. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? Um, and I think what you you said really just encapsulates everything from from the the regulations to the licensures to the what we've just seen for the past almost two years now. And it's it's policy being done in the name of making you feel like you're gonna be safe, and yet, and this is the funny part. I I, I mean, it's not funny, but if you don't laugh, you'll cry. You end up finding out that actually actually, you're not as safe. Not only are you not as safe, you're less safe in many cases. You you mentioned there the specific example with the the um, beauty salon. That's amazing because it, it goes into just so much, not only in terms of how we act when we vote, looking for that sense of security, but I mean, since we had you in the show last time, Shoshana, we've really changed the show to more of a, a sales and marketing approach to, to liberty and in, in, in politics. And one of the things we talk about in sales is the idea that emotion sells. And the number one, the number one emotion that will always sell above everything else is fear. And with that, how you can apply fear to a sense of security and safety. And it's just, it's sales. I mean, and that's what drives me crazy is because now you've only got one option. Your option is the top-down option. And if you have this, essentially, monopoly on fear, all of a sudden, everything can become terrifying. Everyone becomes a threat, and it opens up the door for how much we've seen already take place in terms of the excessive regulation, the excessive licensures. It's, it's happening in the past. It's
1: happening now. Can we stop it from happening in the future, Shoshana? Yeah, I think we just need to keep on the messaging side. You know, I'm a giant nerd, but I've learned how to be less of a nerd just, you know, to talk to people about real issues because I care about the principles, but I also care about the people uh, harmed by stuff. Um, it's, and I think we need to remind people about that because the principles matter, but so do the real life effects. Um, even though real life effects don't always like, uh, warrant, um, higher regulation, but it's, it's often because the regulation won't solve the problem. So people lobby for regulations, even good people lobby for regulations that don't solve things. And then the things keeps going on. And then we keep getting more regulations because this time it'll be solved. And, um, I just kind of remind people like, hey, here's um, you know, when something bad is being proposed I'll remind people here's a similar regulatory dynamic or okay, you want to stop this. This doesn't do that. This doesn't solve that problem. And just making sure we understand that with people. Th- there are problems I don't think government can solve that it tries to. But um, but even again I-, I like to use cosmetology as an example because it's something everyone kind of understands. Everyone gets haircuts. Um, I tried to learn how to cut my own hair. It did not work. I mean, I wasn't bad, but I was just Surprisingly, like.
0: Surprisingly, I had a lot easier of a time with it. You
1: did. I oh, did. I what know. about your long flowing locks? You, uh, uh, you, Shoshana, your- that
0: was at least 11 years ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my life is so hard. I tried. My hair is always such a Jufro. Um, it, it's always just such a challenge to get it right. So I cut the bangs once during the pan or a couple of months ago, but I realized there's no way I'm going to be able to get the ends right. So most of us unless you're really really good at cutting stuff that you can't see in the back of your head are gonna you know go to salons and I think that when you understand of course you know you want to make sure it's safe and st- gross stuff can happen but that like the regulations aren't solving that then we need to rethink okay is there nothing we can do and in this case I really think it should be treated like any food establishment hey just come around don't like don't put in insane regulations that like oh the the paper towels have to be this high above this thing you know all those kind of dumb ones that yep. happen but focus on real like hey, um, is this sanitized or do they have regular sanitation processes? Do they keep sanitation stuff around? Um, you know, are they, are they handling everything that they need to with gloves, with gloves? You know, little things like that that I think can be done very rationally. And um, even though I think like a lot of the food regulations sometimes go a little bit overboard, um, it's a lot better than it not working. And then all these extra regulations that you have to wait years and years to become a cosmetologist. Like that's not helpful. I want everyone to have the opportunity. Um, but it's, it's not solving the problem. And I'm sick of regulations that don't, and I think more people are getting it, um, on the left and the right, it's, it's really encouraging, but, um, there, there's a lot of opportunity to make stuff change because people are getting it.
0: Yeah. Well, and you just went towards the right part of the conversation or my head was going towards it as well. And that is looking at building these solutions. Um, I mean, obviously the, the libertarians in the audience, they're saying, Well, why don't we just, you know, go ahead and have independent organizations start to do the licensure themselves, but it's outside of government. We hear you. We trust us. We hear you. But we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room first. And that is a lot of these licenses and regulations already exist from that state level. Now, Shoshana, you mentioned a few states you mentioned, I think it was Florida. You mentioned Arizona doing pretty well here throughout the pandemic. But beyond that, are there other states you can look to just from either a helping uh reduce a lot of the burden um in, in terms of, of licensure but also number two maybe in terms of starting to actually pull back in, in terms of not only the, the licensing but also regulations. Do you see any states beyond Florida and Arizona leading the charge or is it mostly focused in those two states?
1: So always look to Arizona because um I adore Governor Ducey. We disagree sometimes, but he's not only a wonderful person, but a really, really good Um, he has a great regulatory brain. He gets the stuff. He knows all the stuff I'm telling you he would agree with Um, he comes from that perspective and he works with the legislature and they have some great legislators there too, to get this stuff done. So if you're looking for an example, Arizona has done almost everything you can do minus chip away at those licenses we still don't need. And that's a harder thing to do because that's when lobbies get involved and it's a whole thing. But if you want to look for examples, look there. But there is always more. Um, Spencer Cox in Utah, the governor there, is super into this. So he's been doing more here. Um, The governor of Colorado, if, if a new dumb license comes up, he's like, no, we're not doing this and they'll veto it. I appreciate that. Um, Florida's done a lot. They have more to do, but they're doing very well. They've also added some really dumb regulations, which I don't love. Um, and then you'll see movement all over the country. Uh, Pennsylvania, the democratic governor there, uh, Polis is also Democrat, but it's nice to see both parties doing it. Um, the, but yeah, the, um, The Pennsylvania Democratic Governor Tom Wolf keeps signing, you know, licensing reform and he'll make a big deal out of it, showing like he understands why this is important. Um, New Hampshire's governor as well. There's interest all over and it's so encouraging. Um, Most states are doing something which is nuts, but there's lots of states that aren't. Um, the, The southeast is kind of one area that's kind of hard to do stuff with, like, and I'm not exactly sure why. Um, there's just certain political dynamics there. And also in in very blue states where you tend to see that as well. I just don't think one party rule tends to serve people well. That said, California recently uh, got rid of uh, 600 extra um, hours to become a cosmetologist. So now they're down to a thousand, which is actually one of the lower states now. So it's cool to see even California doing that stuff. It's not to say any of the states I'm mentioning aren't also doing awful stuff. But they're, they're starting to get it a little bit more. I think people are starting to realize, okay, if I want my seat to succeed, I can't just constantly throw barrels on the people coming towards me who want to do the good work. So um, there, there's stuff all over, but there's it's there's still a lot to do in most states, unless you're Arizona.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to say this, and I don't know what your thoughts are, but I would say also, I mean, you mentioned a state like California. Now, I'm a sales guy and I have to reverse engineer and think, well, what, you know, beyond are are they actually, you know, feeling good about doing this? Or is there something else that they're feeling an undiscovered pain? I think I found it. They're missing out on revenue because what's happening, Shoshana, if you're a beautician, if you're, you know, a barber and you're going and you're like, F this, I'm not getting a license. I know I can cut hair and I'm really good. We're just going to do this under the table. And guess what? I'm paying zero taxes. And you multiply that across the board with how many people were just saying, yeah, the barriers are too big. The service still needs to get done. I'll figure out a way. And with the advent of new technologies, it makes it a lot easier for people to be able to do that. So is it wrong of me to maybe speculate that some of these maybe more money-driven states, and let's be real, that's all the states when they're trying to get their revenue – is there maybe a little bit of a a double incentive here? Not just the feel good, but also the dollars and cents?
1: So dollars and cents, but not in that way. You're not wrong, but I haven't seen data showing that that's a really big piece of it. I think it's more that like, People aren't moving up the ladder and therefore they're not paying more taxes. So it is kind of that way, but it's a little bit different. And uh, consider this as well, that um, there's many stories of people who are doing things without a license and they get caught and sting operations, like nuts, nuts stuff. So I don't, I think that they usually tend to catch people like that. It's stupid and it's not, and it's not a good use of government resources. But a good example is this one um, uh, military spouse who moved from, California where you don't need a license to give nutritional advice to Florida where you do they finally got rid of it like this year or last year and I was very thankful for that but um you know she was a CrossFit trainer and also gave you know like eat cauliflower and stuff like that and uh they did sting operations the the state did sting operations to say you know to catch her doing it and um and really really went after her so her doing this in in a smaller capacity still like it it was nuts how it went, but they tend to catch those people. So I'd be surprised if a lot of that went out, um, you know, goes under the radar. I'm sure it does to an extent, but I don't think it's as big because it is kind of difficult. Even um, the the famous Louisiana florist case, um, in in super brief, an elderly widow had never had to work before. um, So she knew floristry, so she tried to get the florist license. At the time, the pass rate to be a florist uh to get that license was lower than the pass rate to be barred in louisiana it was nuts um and obviously it's not because flowers are super much harder and more dangerous than law but um and she eventually went um, working technically illegally in that way for a grocery. Um, state authorities found that out that she was and they told the grocery, either you fire this elderly widow or we're closing you down. So I don't blame the grocery. There's nothing they could have done that had a better outcome for her. But when she ended up dying, she was at, in poverty at the time because of government. And like they catch people. They like it's awful and it's stupid, but it, they tend to catch people. I'm, again, I'm sure there are under the table operations. And I know that that's not super infrequent, but I think that a bigger chunk of it really is that they're like, Hey, we want dues paying members rather than like um, worrying about the under the table stuff.
0: Well, and you know what that means though? That means we got to start telling more of these stories because I mean, I know for a fact that we have filmmakers who listen to this show. So take stories like that guys and turn it into something that your average person can take away and say, that's messed up. I mean, Shoshana, are you
1: watching Squid Games right now? No. Oh my gosh, my dad was just telling me about it. I had not heard about it before he mentioned it. I'm not a good youth. I, I still watch like South Park and older and Simpsons older cartoons, but like the early days of them. Should should I be watching Squid Games?
0: It's an experience. Okay. Um, I, I think it's also just so you can stay up to date in the contemporary conversations, but also to the fact that I mean, just looking at the people who I know are watching Squid Games that I'm hearing the conversations that they're having and they're very emotional conversations because, I mean, not getting any spoiler alerts here for the, the, the show, but the entire premise is that I think it's 456 people go to play a game and long story short, they're either indebted to, you know, creditors, they're indebted to governments, um, you know, individuals, and this is a chance for them to win back their money in a quote-unquote fair, equal playing field. But when you are eliminated from the certain games that you're playing, you're actually eliminated. You, you get shot, killed, something along those lines. And it's going through this, this game that they've been playing. I think it's six games or so. Um, and people who are watching the show, I'm hearing the conversations that they're having and the intensity that they have about these conversations. And it, it hits me. I'm like, this is a fake story. Just imagine if we could make something that they could consume that tells the real stories and and not oh, yeah. not the Hollywood, you know, the the dramatization, you're based on a, uh, based on a true story. No, like actually a story like tell the actual story that happened, because that alone, it being real and authentic and happened to a sad old lady, an old widow. Come on like that. That means something to people. So, oh, yeah. Wow. Sorry, Shasha. I didn't mean, I'm going to go on a rant there.
1: Well, I mean, the, the, that story is why I got involved in licensing reform. I'd always been passionate about unenumerated rights because, like, the Ninth Amendment says we have them, and so does the 14th uh, Privileges or Immunities Clause that, like, the the, the list isn't our rights. It's like, these are our rights. This is just a little bit of them. Um, but when I heard about her story, when I was like, gosh, I think I was 28 or 21 at the time, I just, like, I'm like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. So like,
0: <laughs> And you know what? There's, there's a million more Shoshanas out there who – They'll hear that story and they'll get activated too. And and I th- I know we have to wrap up here because you're, you're hard pressed for time. And I'll, I'll turn the conversation towards this as we wrap up. This is exciting because the conversation has started. People are already seeing what's happening, not only in the past two years when COVID hit. But if you were to go ask somebody in your circle, say, hey, do you know someone who – Is, you know, a beautician, is a barber, is a healthcare worker, is name, license, job, here. Everybody's going to raise their hand. They're going to say, yeah, I know somebody. And you can talk to that person and have a difference in the ability to change their mind by making it real. And it's telling these stories, having these conversations, but also helping people see that there are actually things they can do. And that's the biggest thing that we've missed is people just will be like, wow, this really sucks now what? And Shoshana, you're giving them a now what? So let's do this. As we we wrap up the conversation, I want to give you a platform to make sure that people see the call to action. So obviously you're doing a lot of great work, not only talking to amazing people who are making differences happen, but also you're writing about it over at our street. So with that being said, Shoshana, number one, what can people do? Number two, where can people go ahead and follow you if they
1: want to continue the conversation? Thank you. Yeah. So the top thing is praise people doing good things. Um, I may hate like... Governor Newsom, a <laughs> good chunk of the time. But when he does something good, I'll praise him. I, sometimes I yell at him too, but usually praising I find more effective. So it, it depends on the situation. But really, praise the people doing good things, even if you don't like them, but when they're doing good things. Um, and then also kind of know who you're voting for. Just, you know keep an eye out and stuff. And um, thankfully, most people kind of get licensing reform. And I doubt you're a single-issue licensing reform voter. But really, just try to learn about the candidates, learn about the people that they want to be like. No one's ever right 100% of the time. But it's good to have an eye on that stuff. And then, um, you know, when you have opportunity to get involved, just like, you know, to be activisty and like, protest for licensing reform, or really more more often, it's just gonna be sharing with friends and family. Like, hey, this is a thing that matters and this is a thing we should want more of because um, elected officials, regulators, they all respond to public what the public wants. Um, I don't think it's always the best that they do because I think sometimes there should be principles that, uh, that go beyond populism, but knowing that they do, it's an effective way. And then um, really just being informed. And then, um, yeah, so you can follow me at Senator Shoshana. Um, on Twitter, and my job at RSI on Twitter. We do lots of work far beyond this. Most of what you'll see isn't that, but um, but we do a lot of really fun work, um, and I'm, I'm really thankful to be there.
0: Shoshana, you know, there's a great saying from the one and only sales guru, expert, I don't know what you want to call him, coach, Jeffrey Ginnemer, and he says, love what you do, or don't fucking do it. And yeah. Shoshana, it's obvious. You love what you do. And when other people can show that they love what they do, it will inspire other people to say, why? Why does she love what she does? And it gives you the opportunity to tell people, because I'm making a difference, and I'm seeing that difference. And Shoshana, I think that is one of the best things that we can actually take away from this episode, is that there are things people can do. And yes, Praise good people when they do good things. And with that being said, folks, if you want to go ahead and make sure that we're raising up good people who are doing good things, please be sure to go ahead, give today's episode a share. And when you do, give Shoshana a tag. I will include all of the links here in the show notes. Click the artwork and it'll bring you right to the Brian Nickel Show page here for today's episode, along with the entire transcription for today's episode, plus all 370 other episodes over on The Brian Nichols Show. With that being said, Shoshana Weissman, thanks for joining the program. Thank you so much for having me. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Shoshana Weissman. Shoshana, thank you for joining the program. And, folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, please do me a favor and make sure you go ahead and give a share. And when you do, go ahead and give Shoshana a tag. Uh, And also, folks, a quick shout-out to our man, Jeremy Todd. He had the first-ever episode of Sell Liberty, a brand-new podcast YouTube show here on The Brian Nichols Show. And it is hosted by, yes... Our good friend Jeremy Todd, sales extraordinaire, he had his first episode there on the uh, the YouTube, uh, which actually actually aired. I lied; it aired on Facebook Live. That's where it first aired, uh, but it will be airing over on YouTube as well. So we do have the video version, and that aired last night at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 8 p.m. Central for those of you uh, not here on the East Coast. uh, But it will also be airing weekly here on The Brian Nichols Show. So a little housekeeping. Yes, some things have moved around. I know you heard we had a a little bit change with our our Saturday solo episode for past guests. Uh, We had it earlier in the week. Reason being... Going forward, we're going to be having Sell Liberty Saturdays. That's right, Jeremy Todd. uh, We're going to have the podcast version of the video version from Facebook and YouTube airing here on the program on those Saturdays. So shout out to Jeremy. And yes, if you uh, are a fan of The Brian Nichols Show on uh, YouTube, make sure you also go ahead to our channels and our favorite channels and uh, go ahead and subscribe to Sell Liberty with Jeremy Todd as well. So, with that being said, coming up tomorrow, yes, the first ever episode of Cell Liberty. Shout out to Jeremy Todd. He had a great conversation with the one and only former VP nominee for the LP, Spike. Cohen, thank you for joining us here on our first ever uh, inaugural episode of Sell Liberty. And thank you to everybody who joined us over on Facebook. And uh, yes, we're so excited to have this brand new venture here joining us on The Brian Nichols Show. So with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off on The Brian Nichols Show for Shoshana Weissman. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe, too. Find us at com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at b liberty and consider donating to the show at BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Trust the experts, we're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you've heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual Science of the Pandemic. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty from the Sound Mind Trader Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates, follow the science on lockdowns in liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told so please help us at the brian Nickel show in supporting the sound mind creative group with noted figures in the liberty movement like dr tom woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project you know just how important this project is so head to brian nichols forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docu-series one more time that's brian nichols forward slash follow the science